Oh, y'all thought we were finished. Nah. Everybody clap it up. Can we put a little All Nations on it? Just a little bit. Come on, Auntie. Say I am free. Let's go. Praise the Lord. No longer bad. One more time.
Jesus. If our God is for us, who could ever stop us? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Amen. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Pray with us this morning. Let's just pray together and ask the Lord to have his way in our service. Father God, we come to you this morning, O oh God. We say thanks. We thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, for your mercy, and for your love. We thank you for waking us up this morning and for placing us in our right mind. Oh God, for being our provider and our keeper, for being our shield and our buckler, for being our bright as morning star and the fairest of 10,000, oh God. We worship you this morning because you are worthy to be praised, oh God. You are the King of kings and the Lord of of all lords, oh God. And as we worship you this morning, we ask you, Lord God, that you'll move upon us in a miraculous way this morning, Lord God. Touch us individually and collectively, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that whatever our needs are this morning, you will fulfill it, oh God, because you promise you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Have your way, Lord God, as we worship you. Have your way as we call upon your name. Oh God, have your way this morning as we lift up your name. We give you all the glory and we give you all the honor. We ask your will to be done. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Everybody, come on, let's Let's give the Lord another round of applause today. He is worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. Continue to worship the Lord with us.
Hallelujah. Come on, let's just continue to praise the name of our God today. Hallelujah. He's worthy to be praised. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Amen. You may be seated if you can. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We want to take this time out this morning to welcome everyone. And thank you all for uh, braving the weather to be here this morning. Amen. Our online congregation, you didn't have to brave too much this morning. You know, it wasn't raining where you are. Hopefully it's not raining where you are, but our online congregation, you know, you tune in early for service this morning. And we commend you for doing that. You know, continue to just give God the glory and all the honor because he's worthy to be praised. And for those of us that are here this morning that make it out into the weather, you know, we commend you also. We thank you for being here. Amen. God is awesome. God is doing something in this hour. Amen. You know, this week, as I said, in the 9 a.m. service morning has been a busy week for some of us. You know, we had all kind of different uh, f- uh, uh, function going on this week. Amen. I, I had the privilege of being into two men's meetings this week. And then I had the privilege also of uh, tuning into the latest conference. In fact, um, while, while I was tuning into the latest conference uh, yesterday, uh, last night, I seen somebody's head that looked like Sister Sharp. And I said, I got a final. Were you at the ladies' uh, meeting last night, Sister Sharp? Okay. I, w- I just want to be sure. You know, I see, I seen someone look just like you, and I said, Sister Sharp, that's all right. You know, um, you know, our pastor uh, said earlier in our 9 a.m. service, whenever there is something going on, and you know, you know, there are times I echo the same, you know, comment just the same way. Whenever there is something going on, and nev- whenever you you're physically able. To make it to the function. You never know what's going to happen. What's going to transpire. You know you may just need that message at that moment. Where you're just waiting for that answer for something. And God was just waiting for you. Just to show up by you making that effort to go there. Amen. Because sometimes you know we need things to happen. But we just lay back and just expect things to happen. You know I need a job. I'm going to lay back and just expect a job to come to my hand. It may happen sometimes. But at a time you're going to have to make a step forward in order to receive what you need. Amen. And it's so important that in everything that we do, we need to make an effort and make a genuine effort. You know, if we're going to serve God, serve God with all your heart and with all your mind. Because when you serve God with everything, with all nothing from God, God will bless you. I mean, more than you can imagine or think. I've proven that over and over and over and over again for myself. You know, by making extra sacrifice and giving God what I don't have God opened up doors and blessed me more than I can even imagine. Amen. So trust the Lord with all your heart. You know, lean not unto your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. And oh, God will bless you and He will direct your path. Amen. Everybody say it's offering time. Amen. Amen. It's offering time. This is another time, uh, another part of the service where you, you, you get your blessing. Uh, this is another 
part of the service where sometimes, you know, the, the, the funds may not be easy to come by, especially if you're working one job or if you're not working a job. In fact, I want to go a little step further. If you get your, your little extra stimulus check, you know, I know some people are getting their stimulus check and some are not receiving theirs yet. Some have direct deposit, if you name it, if you please. Some get a debit card and some get a check. Amen. And, you know, one thing I know about our God is a provider. Amen. Can I get a witness this morning? Uh, I know our God is a provider. Amen. Amen. I've I've, I've proven him so many times. So I'm going to ask you to give a good offering this morning. You know, if you get that extra stimulus check and it's just a little bit too much for you. You know, we're still looking for $1.7 million. You know, if you want to be a blessing, you know, the Lord will bless you in return. Believe it or not, you know, we're serving an awesome God. You know, be a blessing unto the Lord. Um, if you need an envelope, if you're paying online, you can go to cash out the dollar sign, CCC 2711. Amen. Be a blessing this morning. Amen. If you want us to come by and pick it up, if it's too heavy for you to bring, we can come by and pick it up. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the God that we serve. Amen. I remember back in COVID last year, you know, pastor used to do that. He used to drive by and he used to pick up offering because nobody wanted to leave their home because of the time they were living in. And he make a few stops here and there. So, you know, we still can accommodate that if you need us to. Amen. Amen. But make sure it's worthwhile. Amen. But hey, listen, but if it's small, regardless, you know, uh, something about God is that sometimes you may have to give in small. You know, we'll take a small just as well as it's big. Amen. So be a blessing unto the Lord this morning and the Lord will continue to bless you tremendously. Amen. Amen. We're going to invite you all if you can stand with us this time. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Listen, when, I, when I'm in the house of God, you know, anything can happen. I, I don't come to church just to be serious, you know. You've got to have to have a little laughter, Brother Daryl. You know, Brother Sam, you're going to have to have a little laughter. You, 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 you may, may, sometimes you may say it, it's funny, but, you know, you come and cry, you know, the service. And, you know, when we, when we get involved in our, in our worldly activities out there, we, we enjoy ourselves out there. We don't go to a basketball game and football game and just sit quiet when our teams are doing good. You know, we rejoice when they're doing good. And when they're not doing good, we boo them, right? But in the house of God, there's something different. You know, but when we're in the house of God, we worship God in the midst, or in spite of what's going on. Amen. We don't boo God. Why? Because He's our provider. He's the one that makes ways when there seem to be uh, no ways. Amen. Amen. That's the God that we serve this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. Give a good offering this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Bow your heads with us as we pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, for the time we're having in your presence this morning, O oh God. We ask you, Lord God, as we're about to receive this morning's offering, we ask you to bless every giver, those who have to give, those who have not likewise. Make a way so they, can, they too can be a part of your blessing, O oh God. We ask you, Lord God, that you will bless every family, Lord God. Those that are sick in their body, we ask you, Lord God, to heal them completely and that they will be whole, O oh God. Touch them from the crown of their head to the sole of their feet, Lord God. We know you're in the healing business, O oh God. We cast all our cares upon you, Lord. 
Lord God, because you care for us, oh God. And we ask you, Lord God, that you continue to bless us, Lord God. Bless us continually, Lord God. Bless us, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to continue to serve you with all our hearts and all our minds. And help us, Lord God, to look to you from whence come and our help. We love you. We give you all the glory and all the honor as we worship you this morning and in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. Give unto the Lord this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah.
Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. He alone is worthy of all the praise, is all the honor. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. My God, my God, my God. Amen. If you want to feel some Holy Ghost fire, touch Brother Scarlet. Tell you right now, if he walked by you, just touch him. Just touch him. Hey, there you go. Just touch him. Just touch him. There's some fire burning over here. You get some of that fire. Just touch him. Amen. You, you might think that's funny, but guess what? Uh, I've heard so many stories about when we have crusade overseas. They just so believe God that they believe the servant of God is really from God. And when that servant of God is preaching and ministering, they just want to touch. Sometimes in uh, overseas crusade, they have to keep the preachers far away from the crowd. Because the, 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 the people will just pull them down in the crowd, not to hurt them, but to touch them. And everybody want to touch them. I said, man, that's, weird. that's why we hear about them experiencing miracles because their, their faith is just so strong. You know, they just believe God. If he says it, that's what it is. They just believe God. And so they exercise what they know about God, their faith. They said, we're going to do this. And they get to experience all kinds of signs and wonders and demonstration. And so believe me what I tell you, when, the, when, when God is moving on his people, we need to believe that and just say, God, I want to feel that same presence. I want to experience that touch from you. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Good to see everyone. I told Janice and Shanice, I said, man, I'm impressed this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more impressed this morning than I am last week. I am impressed. But first of all, you know what I said when I walked up to them? I said, is it still raining outside? They said, yeah. I said, is it pouring? They said, yeah. I said, I'm impressed. <laughs> oh, man, that's Brother Scott. We just love to have fun, man. We are not going to go to heaven all staunch and all stuck up. and all. We go to heaven with laughter, with fun, with thanksgiving. We go to heaven in style. I don't know about everybody else, but we in Christ-centered church, we're going to heaven in style. Man, we're going to go to heaven having a good time. We are not going with no face look like it was what, what Johnny James said, baptizing lemon juice. <laughs> oh, man, we've been around. We've been around. There's, there's so many things we've experienced. I thank God for it. I thank God for all the experiences I've had in the kingdom of God. My goodness, all of it is worthy and count for something, boy, I tell you. Amen. Today is what we call Palm Sunday, right? Amen. And for those of you that don't know, when you get a chance, go to John chapter 12 and read somewhere between 9 and 13, and uh, you'll get a little glimpse of um, Palm Sunday and, 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 and what it represented. Uh, but I was saying to them this morning how I just appreciated how um, when we read the scriptures, how the folks that we're reading about, how they are just so excited about who the Lord is. And um, sometimes I frustrate my own self or I get hard on myself about why am I not uh, as excited, as passionate, as demonstrative 
as those folks we read in the Bible, how they were about Jesus. Why aren't I the same way? Because I have more knowledge of him than they did. And so I challenge myself in that area because I just want God to receive all the honor and praise that um, he has ordained to come from my life through how I serve him. And if I'm not doing that enough, I'm not happy. I'm not pleased. I want to do more and more until he can say, well done, a good and faithful servant. Amen. Well, I greet you in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our online congregation, living the good life this morning. Didn't have to get wet. Didn't have to pull out the umbrella. My goodness. I hope you participate with me this morning because I believe God wants to do something. I really do. I really believe God wants to. Um, save somebody this morning. Uh, I believe somebody today God has put into your heart to to be baptized in his name. God has put into your heart to be filled with his spirit. God has put into your heart to say start living right now. Now is the time. I really believe God has put that into your heart and God is going to speak to you this morning to affirm those words, to affirm those feelings and desires and thoughts that you will not be the same after today's service. If you will stand with me and turn your Bible to Luke chapter 10, that will be fantastic. Don't forget a couple of things I want to mention to you. I forgot to mention this morning at 9 a.m. Take a couple days out um, this week to fast and pray. You choose the days you want to fast and pray, but take some time out this week to fast and pray. As they like to say, this is Holy Week because every religion... um, is doing something sacred this week, every religion, every religion. And so they call this Holy Week. And so we've got the truth. We know the true and living God. And so we should just take a a couple days out this week, fast and pray, consecrate yourself and get close to Jesus. And when we come in here next week, we'll be full of the fire, full of the power of the Holy Ghost. And God will do some great and wonderful things in our midst. So fast and pray this week. Take a couple days. Fast and pray. Also, um, this Saturday, we have our prayer breakfast at 8 a.m. And after prayer breakfast um, at at 9.30 a.m., we are going to go and do some outreach. Prayerfully, the weather will be good, and we'll go and do some outreach. And everything is normal. We'll still have our um, 6 p.m., 6.30 uh, prayer, but come and be with us. And then next Sunday, um, let's do a special offer next Sunday. Um, So um, come with the intention that you want to give a special offering to the Lord and that you will be blessed. Amen. Last time we did special offering, um, I'm stuck. I don't want to say this, but I have to say it because I started out saying it, right? I got a little bonus at work. I didn't tell somebody, though. This is the first time I'm saying it. <laughs> I told you to pull the truth serum. You, you just want to stay. You want to preach over here. They preach over here, and I preach over there. <laughs> Last time, last time we did special offering, bonus, boom. I just smile and says, come on, Jesus. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. But come with a special offering next week, and we're going to pray a special prayer together or declare the word of the Lord together. 
and um, you'll see God do great things and continue to give. You know, when you put yourself in a place of starting to give, it is, it's just so the routine that you're giving, you're receiving, you're giving, you're receiving, and it's just the way of life. So if you're not there yet, just get there. You will see that it's just like, it's just life. You give, you receive, you give. You can't outgive God is what he says. So as you give, it comes back to you. You give, it comes back to you. And you're just like, I know you never broke since the idea. You're always going to have a stash somewhere. Something always going on with you. Because you're a giver. I don't have to know your business. I don't have to know nothing. But you will always have something because she's always giving. And for all of us that give, there will always be something coming to you. Because God honors that. He does. And so next Sunday, come with special offering, both services. And we're going to declare the word of the Lord. And you are going to be blessed abundantly financially. Luke chapter 10. Let's get into the word of God. And we will get right into the preaching of his word. The word of God says in verse 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Somebody say into her house. Mm -hmm. And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone? Bid her, therefore, that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary had chosen that good part, I would say that best part, which shall not be taken away from her. The good part, the best part, cannot be taken away from you. So when you choose the best part, can't be taken away from you. The best part is not the best piece of steak. The best part is not the best piece of chicken. The best part is not the best fish. The best part is what Mary chose. <laughs> That's what Jesus said. Father, we love you. Will you anoint me and use me in a special way this morning to minister to your people that are here, present in person, and those that are present virtually? I pray that, God, you will lead me by your spirit and that the authority of the word of God will truly, Lord God, just abound in me and abound in this place. Father, I pray for change to come to every one of us. I pray, Lord God, that you'll touch us in a special way that we will open our heart to you and allow you to do just what you want. God, you know those who are up against challenges, who are struggling, who have doubt, who, Lord God, are looking for direction and answer. Only you have those, Lord Jesus. And I pray this morning that if you don't speak it directly to them, if you don't show them directly that you can use me, I, I surrender to you as your conduit to say, have your way, Lord God. Let none of us, me nor any one of us, leave this service today without divine change, without a real encounter, without a real experience with you, that, Lord, we will make a decision to make up our mind to do just what you have ordained for us to do. Father, I pray that today none of us, Lord, will neglect the opportunity that is present here right now that we will take full, oh God, 
choice. Take that opportunity that you've given to us. Have your way, Holy Ghost. We pray and ask you these things in Jesus' name. Somebody say, in Jesus' name, clap your hands unto the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk to you today on this topic, make room for Jesus. Make room for Jesus. Tell your neighbor to make room for Jesus. Tell Jordan, make room for Jesus. Mackenzie, make room for Jesus. Jordan, Matthew, Luke, make room for Jesus. Mm -hmm. Let us all make room for Jesus this morning. Benjamin Franklin once famously said, guests are like fish. They begin to smell after three days. In most cases, that is true. No matter how much we love the individuals when they first arrive, after three days, we're probably ready for them to go. Most of us have had the occasion of hosting people in our homes who are after a while or after time become somewhat of an intrusion to us. And if we were being honest, we, were, we would rather see them go than to stay. We'll be glad to see them go than them staying after three days. Mm -hmm. Jesus' fame swept through all of Judea. Multiple reports followed him. Reports of blind eyes seeing, deaf ears hearing, lame men running, lepers returning home cleansed. Indeed, the reports of his miracles were enough to thrill any believer and to silence any honest skeptic. His teaching. He was challenging the status quo, turning the other cheek, loving one's enemy, a relationship from the heart rather than merely rules from a scroll. Church, can I tell you this morning, Jesus is interested in a relationship with you that's from the heart and not from words off of the Bible page. Yes, the words on the Bible page is his words, but some people take the words and they're just applying the words to their life without having any relationship with the author, the one whose word this is. And Jesus is more interested in a heart-to-heart -heart relationship with you and not for you to follow some rules. I believe this is where a lot of people have distorted Christianity because we think Christianity is about rules. We think Christianity is about who can follow the word of God best. But I want to tell you this morning, we need to start with who have a heart-to-heart -heart relationship with Jesus Christ. Because when you have a heart-to-heart, -heart, you will have a great relationship with God. You probably have heard me say this before. But listen to it. Listen to me if you haven't heard it before. Love is higher 
than the law. We think the law is the higher standards that we live by. Love is the higher standards that we can live by. <laughs> uh, you see, love has no rules. The law is, 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 is whatever it is. And guess what? When you live by laws, you're always trying to figure out how you can circumvent the rules, circumvent, circumvent the laws to make things work for you. But when love is what you're living by, you're always looking at the highest achievement to achieve. Look at Shanice and her baby. She loved that baby girl. It's nothing that she, there is no law, no rule book that tells her what she should or shouldn't do with her baby. Because she will do whatever she has to do for her baby. What book is written to say, here's what you do here. Throw that book out because when it comes down to the ones you love, you don't even understand law. Because I'm going to do what I have to do. Same thing when you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. No wonder the Bible says, man came to Jesus and says, Master, what is the great commandments in the law? What is the great commandments in the law? Jesus says, to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So the man asked Jesus, what is the great commandment in the law? He's still trying to live by rules. And when Jesus dropped the love thing on him, he was blown away. Because love is a higher standard than rules and laws. Do you remember the first time someone told you about Jesus? What did you think? What were your first impression? Your first question when you heard about Jesus? What, what was it that you started thinking about? What was it that stirred you? Or maybe it just fell flat, no big deal. Mm -hmm. In all that Martha had heard about Jesus, she was compelled to seek him out. All that she's heard, blind eyes being opened, deaf ears being unstopped, lepers being cleansed, and, and, and all the things that she's heard that Jesus can do, she was compelled to seek him out. When you first heard about Jesus, what was your response to hearing about Jesus? Forget about that. Now that you're hearing about Jesus, what is your response of hearing about Jesus? She had purposed in her heart that of all the houses in Bethany, Jesus was coming to hers. Can you imagine if we were living back then where Almighty God manifest in flesh was going from village to village and he wasn't going to pass through your village, but you needed to get a glimpse of him. You needed to get an experience with him. You needed to have an encounter with him. What would you have done if you lived back in those times? Martha must have been a pretty aggressive sister. Because I don't think she was the only one probably wanted Jesus coming to her, 
her house. I, I'm sure other people's like, I want Jesus to come to my house too. But she saw him probably more aggressively than everyone else. Her house may not have been the largest or most elaborate, but she was determined it would be the most welcoming. Percolate on that for a little bit. It wasn't the largest. It wasn't the most elaborate. But it will be the most welcoming. All of us can be welcoming. All of us, Tony, can be welcoming. This is what worship is all about. This is what praise is all about. This is what thanksgiving is all about. It's saying, God, I welcome you. Oh, God, I welcome you into my life. This is why I appreciate worshiping the Lord. Church, when you worship the Lord, when you lift your hands like this, the other time you remember lifting your hands like this, if you watch um, 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 cop shows, you know, the gun stuck up, when you get stuck up, your hands go up in the air because what you're saying, I surrender. You can do whatever you want to do to me. I won't do anything. Take whatever you want. But God has not put no gun to your chest or to your head. You have to make a decision whether or not you're just going to say, Lord, I surrender. Take whatever you want. And when you start to worship him, that's what you're saying, Tony. Lord, I surrender. Take whatever you want. Lord, I surrender. Do whatever you want to do. Lord, I surrender. My life doesn't belong to me, but it belongs to you. You're fully in charge. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. That's what we're doing when we surrender. To the Lord, when we lift our hands, we're saying, God, have your way in my life. Have your way in my life. Have your way in my life. She succeeded in extending an invitation to Jesus who readily accepted her invitation. Church, Jesus is a gentleman. A lot of us continue to say, since he knows, why don't he do? And even if you don't say it literally, you think it or you live it, live that way. He knows everything. Why don't he do that? Because he operates by invitation. Because he operates as a gentleman would invitation. I am not coming to your house unless you invite me. I'm not going to break your door down and come in. If you want me to your house, you extend an invitation to me. But we just want him to kick the door in. And then and and we so messed up. He kicks the door in and come in and then we're going to say what kind of God is he anyway? What kind of God is going to kick the door down? I mean, he can't be no good God. As Jesus came into the house and sat down, we see two sisters very differently occupied. Martha was busily bustling around the kitchen, while Mary, on the other hand, was sitting on a cushion on the floor of the living room at the feet of Jesus, hanging on to every word he spoke. Two different positions here. Two people in the presence of the Lord, but are occupied differently. Martha was frantically working to ensure everything was just right 
for such an important guest. And Mary was just sitting at Jesus' feet, absorbing his close presence. Martha had to be thinking to herself, did she not see? Did she not care? Why did Jesus, the great teacher and writer of all injustices, not say something to her? Mary, Martha's in the kitchen, sweating, flour flying all over the place, pots and pans making noise, water boiling, and she getting, you know, some of it's spilling over, she's getting burned. And she like, you, what in the world is going on here? Flowers, flower all in my hair, water boiling. I, I, I forgot I had this stuff over here going, and she is sitting over there by Jesus. Are you kidding me? Jesus, you got to do something about this. And so here we are, church, at an intersection. Usually when we have disagreements and arguments and fights, it's because both people that are engaged in the disagreement, the fights and the arguing, both people that are engaged believe their position is the right position. That's usually what happens. And both of them are convinced, I'm right. And as long as both of you are convinced you're right when you don't agree, it's always going to be a problem. And the aggressive, the most aggressive one is going to force their way. Just like Martha. She was the most aggressive one. And so she was grumbling in her mind. What's up with Jesus? He certainly can see something is wrong with all of this. I mean, what you do when a guest comes to the house is make sure you feed them. Everybody knows that. So why would she sit down and have me over here doing, I know I'm right, and Jesus knows I'm right, so he needs to do something about this. How many of us go to Jesus sometimes or don't go to him at all? Because in our mind, why don't he see this? Why can't he see this? Why can't he see this? Injustice is going on all around us, and we're getting mad. Why don't Jesus do something about this? At last, it was more than Martha could stand. So she went to Jesus. Boy, when you think you're right. So she's going to be the spiritual one now. Let me go to Jesus and straighten this thing out. I'm, I'm done. Enough is enough. So she went to Jesus, Lord, does thou not care that my sister had left me to serve alone by myself? She didn't leave. She didn't just stop there. She said, Lord, how about you bid her that she helped me? Church. Whether you're a Christian or you're striving to be a Christian you making a big mistake when you think you can go to Jesus and tell him to fix somebody. I'm going to just take a little step out to say, when you go to Jesus and tell him to fix somebody, you probably need more fixing than them. 
Because if you really knew him and had a relationship with him, you would have never wasted your breath to go to him and tell him, get on him, get on her, fix that, fix this, because you know better. So by you going to him, it means you're not in a good place spiritually. Telling him to fix people, telling him to tell them what to do. How do we know that what I'm saying is is right? Look at Jesus' response. Jesus answered and said, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Let me go fix Mary for you. That's what he said. Martha, Martha, yeah, you're right. Let me go straighten her out. How dare she not help you out in the kitchen? Let me go fix that up for you. I get her to go do what she need to do. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary had chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. She must have been really mad because it's nothing like going to someone and telling them straighten somebody out and they straighten you out. That's double whammy. She went to Jesus to get Jesus straightened out her sister and Jesus straightened her out. Now you get the picture? Don't go to Jesus to tell him to straighten nobody out. Before you go to Jesus to tell him to straighten nobody out, go to Jesus and say, straighten me out, Lord. Straighten me out. I got a bad attitude right now. My, my heart ain't right. My spirit not right. Straighten me out, Lord. Get me right back on track. Say that to him. Don't go to him telling him about somebody else. It don't work. Don't work. Remember I told you a long time ago, husbands and wives, don't go complaining to God about your spouse. It do not work. He will not say. And if you if you think he said something to you about your spouse, you heard from the devil or you heard from yourself. God can take care of his business and he doesn't need you to tell him how to take care of his business. And so if your spouse not right, he knows how to make them right. If your spouse not doing it, he knows how to do it. You don't have to go to Jesus and tell him how to fix your spouse. He knows how to take care of your spouse. So if you think you went and prayed and God told you what to do. There's people that have said, Pastor, I'm tired. He done took me through too many things. He did too many things to me. And I prayed, and I feel like the Lord is allowing me to leave this marriage. (laughs) And all the pastor can say is, sis, that's not usually how God operates. I can't agree with that, but I'm sure you're going to do whatever you want to do. But I can't agree with that because I know my Jesus. And that's not what he would recommend. That's not how we would operate. As a matter of fact, he would not even respond to you when you say, God, should I leave this marriage? He just won't talk to you about it. Because he's working to try to make your marriage good, not to make your marriage bad. And if he can't get the one that's not doing right to do right, then you can't either. And so you just need to trust God to work on your behalf, what you can do and how you can live your life. Don't lie on Jesus. Don't have your thoughts when you go into prayer and come out with your thoughts after prayer. That's what people do. They have their thoughts about what they want to see and then they go pray. 
And then after they get done praying, then they say what they thought. Never talked to God. Never did. Being in Jesus' presence and hearing his word can never be taken from you. And it is the best part of how you can be with Jesus. Listen to me. Jesus seemed to be reminding Martha that in enjoying the privilege of having Jesus in our home, our priorities should be about being with Jesus before doing for Jesus. Jesus taught the principle, Shanice, that when he is around, you better go sit with him And you better just go absorb his presence and listen to his word before you go trying to do something for him. Because you can't know what to do for Jesus until you hear what Jesus would like. And so Mary had determined, I'll sit at his feet, I'll hear his word, and I'll be in his presence, which means I'll know what he like and what he don't like, what he want me to do and what he don't want me to do. But just by being afar off and thinking I know what to do, it will never work. And so many people are trying to serve God before They sat at his feet, heard his word, and be in his presence. They're they're trying to do their thing, and then when it don't work, they don't understand it because I'm trying to please God. I I, I didn't forget. It's interesting. You know, David is probably my number one man in the Bible. And I remember David gung-ho. Lord, I want to build you a house. Remember, man after his own heart. So don't even mess with David and God's relationship. Don't even say anything. <laughs> they like this. Okay? They like this. And so David's so like this with Jesus. He's like, I want to build a house for you. And he said, no, nah, you're not going to do it. Your son Solomon will. You can have all the right reasons why you should do something for God but if he didn't tell you to do it if he didn't tell you to do it don't do it so don't think a good reason for doing something you should give you carte blanche to, to do it no you do it because he says do it you don't get carte blanche to do whatever you want in God you do what he tells you to do not what you think is good that he should like Oh, God, you should like this. Let me do this for you. Did he say do it? If he didn't say do it, don't tell him what you should do. You know why you're doing it? Because you didn't didn't sit at his feet. You know why you're trying to do whatever? Because you didn't sit at his feet and hear his voice and, and allow him to just overwhelm you with his presence. You didn't sit at his feet. So that's why you're doing whatever you want and want God to accept it. And so God is always teaching us in every way. So in all the relationships in your life, sit down together first before you start deciding what the person should like and not like, what you should do for them and not do for them. Sit down with them first. Don't just go off doing whatever. Well, you should, you should appreciate this. 
I'm one of those guys. That's one of that, that's kind of hard for you to tell me. You should appreciate this. And my wife don't do that to me. I'm just saying. And the reason is, just like my boy, my last born. We're really specific in what we like. We don't just generalize what we like. I remember when Jordan was a baby baby. He had specific cups. I only drink out of this cup. I want minty and in that cup. So if you brought him minty in a different cup, he probably wouldn't want it. And you'll probably be mad because then you're like, how ungrateful already. Because you made him tea. But he's specific in what he wants. So unless you do what he wants specifically, he don't appreciate it. (laughs) So that's a trait that I pass down to my kids. So for someone to tell me I should appreciate something, unless you do it exactly what I like, I'm, I'm just that, I'm sorry I'm that way. Now, 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 do I run you off and scare you? Whatever anyone gives me, I appreciate it. Don't, don't get that twisted. You give me anything, I appreciate it. I love you for that because I know you gave it out of your genuine love for me and your kindness. And so I appreciate anything anyone does. I am just telling you that if you really want to have a great relationship with someone, especially your family, especially your spouse, sit down with them, talk to them. You will hear what they say and don't say, and you will know what to do and not to do. Because that's what Mary did with Jesus. And the interesting thing about it is when you get all in your stuff, in yourself, I thought about it this morning. I said, Martha never stopped to think, Brother Sharp, that while Mary was at the feet of Jesus, Jesus either could have told her what to do or she could have looked up at him and said, Master, are you hungry? Do you want me to go fix you something or do you prefer that I stay here? Martha never gave that any consideration like, well, maybe Jesus didn't want anything to eat. I went and fixed it all up because I think this is what you do for a guest. But maybe he didn't want anything. She never thought about that. All she can think about is this is what I do, and so this is the right thing. Woo! Woo, I'm messing with somebody now. This is what I do because this is right. And so because this is what I do and it's right, everyone should be doing it. But she never stopped to think. Mary really has got his ear. Just think. If he's sitting on the couch... And she's sitting on the floor. She's got his ear. She's looking up to him. He's looking down to her. If he wanted some water. Mary, can you get me some water, please? If, 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 if he wanted Mary to help Martha out. Mary, how about you go help your sister out? Let me just relax for 15 minutes here. He could have said all that. But Martha was wrapped up in what she was doing. That she got agitated to the point. Of going to complain. This is what I mean by complaint. Usually means you got an issue that you need to work out. Because you can't see clearly. You can't see clearly. And so you just assume that she was the one that was in the wrong. She she don't understand. But you couldn't see clearly. Because if you could have seen clearly, you would have thought about the situation a little better. And not even go to approach Jesus complaining to her. The way Jesus is usually 
is so different from us. And so what Martha thought was right, Jesus made her understand. No, my ways are not your ways. My thoughts higher than your thoughts. So you coming to complain, no, I'm not responding and taking sides. I'm going to tell you the truth because I am the truth. Mm-hmm. We have the opportunity every day to abide with Jesus or to have Jesus abide with us. We're not limited to the random or widely spaced occurrence when Jesus stopped by our town or neighborhood. Because his spirit is all throughout the earth. And all we have to do is seek after him. Jesus can abide with us whenever we desire, wherever we are. All we have to do is call on him. All we have to do is be sincere and honest as we reach out to him. Welcoming Jesus into our home is not so he may suddenly come in because he's omnipresent. Before we become too harsh on Martha, though, we must recognize that had it not been for her ambition, her desire of inviting Jesus to the house, Mary would not have been afforded the opportunity to sit at Jesus' feet. <laughs> so before we kill Martha, I'm not killing her. Before we kill her, we got to realize that it was Martha that invited Jesus to the house. So Mary would have the opportunity to sit at his feet. And so that's important to point out. For any of us to experience an ongoing abiding presence of the resurrected Savior in our homes, we must mirror the same passion as Martha. So Martha had passion. Martha had boldness. Martha had tenacity. Martha was desirous of the Messiah coming to her house. Would you want to see Jesus in your house? And if you do, what are you doing about it? What are you doing about having Jesus in your house? Are you making room to have him in your house? Or is it just something you say because it's right? Do you have the faith and passion that Martha had to invite Jesus into her house? Such passion will compel us to pursue after Jesus the way Martha did. She determined that if he was going to stay anywhere in Bethany, it would be at her house. What are we doing about that? I wonder if we're doing that same old thing that we normally do. What's that same old thing, preacher? We take things for granted that is available to us. And that stuff that's not available to us, we cherish. I wonder if that's what's going on in the 21st century here. I wonder if back then they looked at Jesus as, wow, he's here today. And they don't, they, they realize, well, he's not omnipresent. He's here. And so we can only deal with him when he's present here. And so they, 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 they treated that as, as reverent. Oh, we got him. And today he's available to all of us. And we're like, well, I can 
you know, have Jesus anytime. And so it's no big deal to us right now. She had determined that if she was going to stay and he, he was going to stay anywhere in Bethany, it would be in her home. She was so determined she cared little about what anyone would think of her. If she had prostrate herself on the floor, she would have done it if she needed to. If she needed to just suffer social mistreatment and, and belittlement, she was ready to do that to make sure she had him at her house. She didn't care how much she would have to humble herself in the eyes of her neighbors. She was willing to do whatever it took to have Jesus at her house. And my question to you is, how desperate are you? How passionate are you? How desirous are you to have Jesus at your house? Martha's passionate hunger for his presence in her home is something all of us should be emulating if we really want Jesus. At our house. No matter what it may cost us in terms of our pride or image, it's a worthwhile investment to have Jesus at your house. Oh, it is a worthwhile investment. And you know, investment usually require a little bit of sacrifice. You can't invest into anything and not give anything. That's, that's, that, that even makes sense. In order to invest, it means you're giving something. You're sacrificing something in order to invest, in order to receive a reward eventually. So when you say, I want Jesus at my house, you're saying, I'll do whatever I have to do to get Jesus at my house. Because Jesus at my house is a great investment. Jesus at my house is life changing. Jesus at my house is something special. So I will sacrifice whatever I have to to get Jesus at my house. Listen to me. Guests affect how we live our life. When a guest is at your house, you ready for this? We dress differently. <laughs> Don't lie. I know I'm not going to tell my wife's business. <laughs> but if, if my wife is like that, I'm sure other women are like that. Guess her at your house and change your whole stilo. You agree with that, Sister Scarlett? <laughs> because you know when it's just you and your man how you can be. Now you got guests. Got to be a little bit different. So you dress differently when you have guests. And don't lie. What else we do differently when we have guests? We speak differently. If you a cusser, And you have guests in your house, you watch your mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you watch your mouth if you're a cussing and you have guests at the house. 
So we speak differently with guests at the house. What else happens when we have guests at the house? Our tone and the climate of our homes are changed by the presence of the guests. So instead of screaming at your kids, you pull them somewhere in the corner. I will kill you. Grinding your teeth. But if the guest wasn't there, the neighbors would be able to hear your voice. That's how it works. So guests affect how you live. So I'm convinced maybe that's why a lot of people haven't had Jesus at their house. (laughs) I'm convinced a lot of folks haven't thought about having Jesus at their house because they're figuring Man, I'm not ready to change up all that stuff at my house. Man, I'm good. That's why a lot of people are not making room for Jesus, because they don't want him at the house. They're saying, man, I got to change too much stuff, and I like my comfort. I like to be comfortable. (laughs) Boy, there's a lot there. You like to be comfortable, huh? And you don't want no guests at your house, because they just going to mess up my comfort stuff. Uh Uh-huh. This is so clear. When you, when you look into the scriptures real clear, you start to get some stuff. Boy, you're like, oh, oh, my goodness. So some of us are not living for God the way we need to because we just want to be comfortable. And living for God is going to make us uncomfortable. Here's the secret, though. Initially, you will be uncomfortable, but not entirely. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Living, don't let the devil and yourself tell you living for God is uncomfortable. Initially, it will be uncomfortable. But when you make it comfortable, eventually you will be comfortable. And you will live a comfortable life in God. Yes, initially it will be uncomfortable. But what in your life don't initially sometimes be uncomfortable? You tell me. Can I tell you this without you getting offended? If you're comfortable all your life, you didn't learn much. If everything you do in life, you're comfortable, you're less than what you should be. You don't grow without becoming uncomfortable. You don't grow without being stretched. You don't grow without experiencing some things you're not familiar with. So if you're comfortable all your life, you are not fulfilling who you're supposed to be. Because God didn't raise you up and let you be born just to stay underachiever. God didn't, God didn't, God didn't bring you into this world to be an underachiever. He's got purpose for you. He created you, and before you was even forming your mother's womb, he had a purpose for you. He had a calling for you. And so he didn't create you to come into this world and underachieve. So if you're comfortable all your life, you're underachieving, and you're not fulfilling your purpose in God. Tough pill to swallow, but at least the preacher told you the truth. Love them that tell you the truth. Don't love them that make you feel good all the time. Now you're supposed to love everybody. Love everybody. Our flesh is certainly more comfortable merely visiting 
God's house. Not having God come to visit our house. We don't mind going to his house a couple times a week to go visit him and say, hey, dude, what's going on? We don't even mind getting dressed up to go a couple times a week to go visit his house, to be to be a guest in his house. We don't mind doing that, but we don't really want him to come to our house. Uh huh. Got to think about that. Sitting through a couple of services is not really all that life-altering for some of us. If we limit his impact to just those few hours in his house, we all right. We can even dress up and present our best image when we go to his house without feeling too put off. So we don't mind going to his house and just sit there. But if we ever take the profound step of inviting Jesus to come home with us, to come to our house, we will see an immediate impact all in our life. All of our life will be impacted if we invite Jesus to our house. Martha had been the one to initiate the visit, but Mary really grasped grasped the importance Mary refused to, distra- refused to be distracted by all the matters in the kitchen. It is doubtful she even noticed when a pot started rattling, making noise. She was locked in. Listen to me, church. Let me make this point. I'm almost done. Let me make this point to you. There will always be dirty dishes. There will always be clothes to be washed. There will always be yard work to be done. There will always be errands to run. There will always be dusting to do. There will always be vacuum to be done. Whatever it is, there will always be stuff to do. But you don't know when you will have an opportunity to host Jesus. You don't know when you'll have another opportunity for Jesus to be guest in your life. And so when that opportunity comes, you have to take full advantage of it because you don't always know when you will get it. I can run that errand next week. I can do the dishes later. Whatever it is, it can be done. So here is something that you need to really consider. If you have something scheduled to do because you are a person of of structure and order, discipline, and so you have something to do, and something comes up that's, that's conflicting with that thing you already have scheduled, you have to stop and say, hold on, what is the most important thing here? I know I have this scheduled for a couple weeks. I know this is my routine usually, but now this has come up. What is most important? Unfortunately, what we do all the time is whatever we have scheduled, we go with that because we're being disciplined. We're ordering our life, but we don't give Jesus an opportunity to come into our life and to do something supernatural. We keep on ordering our life because this is what I do. Okay, so when something more important than that, what comes up, what are you going to do? Heard the story about the man, CEO of the company, how he never missed work. I mean, always there on time, you know, hours before time. He get there early, leave late, and everybody can count on him being at work. And one day he didn't come in. And when they finally found out why he didn't come in, they said, 
Sir, why did you come in today? You never missed a day at work. His son got sick and almost died. And that's how the story will play out for many of us to prove to us that we don't need to make situations control us. We need to control situations. And so stop and see what's most important. We need to work, especially men. We need to take care of our family. But our family is more important than the job. Don't get that twisted. I don't care how much we like to work and we need the money. to. Our family is more important than the job. Something that blew my mind when I went to Paris. I, I, I just thought this was mind-blowing. There were more families on the streets begging than you see individuals. I, that, that hurt me. blew my mind. So you would see a whole family on the street corner, a whole family, mom, dad, and the kids, like in the corner begging. And I'm like, what is this? And as crazy as it is, now I'm thinking about it, I'm saying, but he has his family. As much as when that hit me, I'm like, this is crazy. Now I'm saying to myself, but he has his family. Your family is more important to you than your job. Your family is more important than money. Don't let nothing dictate that. You dictate that. Your family is more important than that. And so you do what you got to do to secure your family. And as we serve God, God is more important to us than everything else. So whatever you got scheduled, when God comes your way and says, here I am, don't you push him off. Don't you look the other way and neglect him. You remove what you had planned and put him in that spot and go with what he's doing. What Martha was doing was not wrong in and of itself. She was being a good hostess. She was attending to the physical needs of Jesus the Messiah. She was being a good steward of the food that they had purchased. These are not all bad things. They simply are not the best things. All right, let me close up here. A hundred years from now, a hundred years from now, none of us will care if the yard was perfect or the sheets were ironed. None of us will care how big the house was that we live in. None of us will care even about the economy that COVID had impacted. None of us will care about those things. How will any of those things matter and compare to the glory of God? The Apostle Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 4 and 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen is eternal. So we need to think about that and stop thinking that the things that we see are important. They're temporary. And sooner or later, they won't mean a whole lot to us. Martha was coming about much serving, and Jesus said she was troubled about many things. As you examine your life, what are three things in your life that potentially could cumber you and trouble you to the point where you neglect sitting at the feet of Jesus?
to experience the full impact of the resurrected life of Christ in our homes. We must adapt Martha's passion to get him there and Mary's focus to attend to him while he's there. Uh Uh-huh. Martha got him there, but Mary knew what to do when he got there. Martha got him there, but Mary knew, knew what to do to get him there. So we now can learn from both these ladies and says, I need to be like Martha and I like to be like, I need to be like Mary. I don't need to do one or the other. I need to be like both of them. And so I close with this. When you make room for Jesus at your house and you do whatever it takes to invite him and get him to your house, you must make it abundantly clear why you would want Jesus to abide in your home. Some of us, we need God's spirit in us. You must know why you need God's spirit in you and you seek him for that. Some of us, we need to be saved. We need to repent of our sins. We need to be baptized in Jesus' name. But we must know why we want to be saved. Some of us, we are in in God. We're Christian and we're living for God. We need to find out why should we be living for God? What's our purpose in living for God? We got to stop allowing life to just take us wherever it wants to. And we need to know where we're going and why we're doing what we're doing. That's what Jesus expects from you. Even if it means everything changes by his presence. We need to make sure we know why. Then you do like Mary did. Make Jesus the host and not the guest of your home. So Martha always treated Jesus as a guest. Mary turned the tables on Jesus and made him a host of her home. That's significant, church. When you are the host in your home, all the responsibilities fall on you. When you're the host of your home, you have to do everything. You tell people where to go, what to do, how to do it, when to do it. But when Jesus is the guest of the the host of your home, then now he orders everything around. He tells everyone what to do. And so... Martha had Jesus in her house, and as long as she was doing what she was doing, there was never going to be any miracles. As long as Martha kept on cooking, kept on preparing, kept on giving, you know, our our time to making the food, there was never going to be a miracle in her house. Because she was in charge, and she certainly can't work no miracles. But Mary... She could experience a miracle because she was in tune enough to say, I'm going to sit at your feet because sitting at your feet make you over me, make you ruler over me, make you superior to me, make you the shot caller over me, make you the one that is responsible, not me. Until we turn the tables on Jesus and make him the host and we become the guests, we won't experience miracles. But the moment we say, come on in, guests, and as soon as he sits down, (laughs) you just smirk at him and smile 
sit in this nice, comfortable couch, Jesus. And then you just sit right at his feet. And so now, guess what? He becomes the one in charge and you just sitting there and you're not moving until he tells you and you're not doing until he tells you and you're not doing speaking anything until he tells you. That's what Mary did. She turned the tables on him just like his mother Mary did to him. Remember when Mary, his mother, was the hostess at the wedding? Things going good. Then they ran out of wine. And then she realized the people started telling her, Mary, we ran out of wine. And she said, oh, really? And you know what she did? Turn the tables. Tell him that we ran out of wine. And whatever he does, whatever he tells you, that's what you do. She turned the tables and made Jesus the host of the wedding. This is why miracles took place. This is why the miracle took place. Because she turned the tables and let the miracle working God take control. Church, if we are in control and we do what we want and we keep on being the host and let Jesus be the guest, we won't experience miracles. We won't experience the power of God because he will just sit there and be a gentleman and be a good guest. Not ruffle any feathers. And so she turned the tables on him. Jesus will rarely be invited. I'm sorry. Jesus will rarely be an uninvited guest to your house. He will not come to your house if you didn't invite him. Generally, if the Lord is present in a home, he was specifically invited to that home. A spiritual welcome mat has been prominently displayed in front of that house for Jesus. He was welcomed into that home. In other words, no one becomes spiritual by accident. No one gets close to Jesus by chance. No one has a home with a godly climate and perspective by happenstance. If you desire the eternal benefits of having the resurrected power of God as an active force in your family and home, intentional action is the price. It won't happen just by happenstance. He will not climb down your chimney. When you least expect it, he will not come through the front door of your heart if it is open, if it's not open towards him. Your house must become his house. Your house must become his house. And so I close by telling you this. You live in two houses. You live in a house made with man's hands. And you live in a house that is not made with man's hands. And both of those houses, you can be host or guest. You can be the shot caller or not. And here is what I'm trying to tell you. In the house that is not made with man's hand, that's you. You're the house that's not made with man's hand, Tony. We house whatever is inside of us. This flesh is a house. This body is a house. But it wasn't made with man's hand. (laughs) 
Nobody didn't build you. You weren't made out of nails and board and wood. You weren't made out of concrete. You weren't made out of cement. Nobody built you. You were created by the Almighty God, not with man's hands. And so this house, you need to have the welcome mat. This house, you need to welcome Jesus in it. This house, you need to let him know that you want him to come. You need to seek. You need to go after him and say, Jesus, I want you to come and be in my house. And so you need Jesus in your house. That's not made with man's hands. And when he starts occupying this house, you have to turn the tables on him now that he's in the house. Once you get him in the house, turn the tables on him. Now that I got you, this is your house. I'll be your guest. You tell me what you want me to do. I'll go where you want me to go. Yeah, I know where everything is in the house, but you just tell me what to do because I want you to be in the house. But how you get him in the house is by preparing your house, this house. And how you prepare the house is repenting of your sins. That's how you clean out your house and make the space available, make room for him by repenting and saying, God, I I, I want you to come and abide in my house. And you repent of your sins and you ask him to forgive you and cleanse you so he can come into your house. And when he come into your house, you give him total access to do whatever he wants. And once he's in this house, then automatically he will come to the house made with man's hands. Stand with me. Make room for Jesus. Because Jesus wants to abide in your house. He really does. He wants to abide in your house. But you have to invite him. You have to seek him out. You have to let it be known to him that you want him to abide at your house. He will not assume because let me tell you, when you don't welcome Jesus, when you don't invite Jesus, you have the option to say to him that you didn't want something. And this is why it's important to Jesus that we invite him. Because if he comes into our house when he wants to, we will reserve that right to complain about, well, I didn't I didn't tell you to come. Well, well, I didn't ask you to do that. We can complain about things when it don't go right. When we didn't invite him. And so Jesus just waits for us to invite him. Because when we invite him now, then that's a different ballgame. He wants us to invite him. And so a lot of times God wants to work in our life and we say we want him work in our life, but we never extended an invitation to him, a sincere invitation to him. We're just saying, yeah, I need God in my life. Yeah, to fix your problems. If you wasn't here Thursday, I talked about commercial faith and commercial faith is you only believe God when you expect to get a reward from him. That's commercial faith. Real faith is I know God and I don't have to get a reward for him to still be Lord in my life. But commercial faith is I only want to do the things 
that will give me a reward from him. And you don't want that. That's not real faith. Make room for Jesus today. If you've never given your life to God, you need to do it today. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you can lift your hands today and God can fill you with his spirit and you will begin to speak with another tongue and you will be like, what is happening to me? But the bottom line is you had made an invitation. You have made yourself available, open, welcome mat has been placed out to say, Jesus, come into my life, come into my heart, come into my life. You welcome Jesus in. Invite him in to come into your life to change your life. I know we can't dress the same way when we invite him in. I know we can't cuss like we used to cuss. We can't drink the same things we used to drink. We can't watch any old thing on TV anymore because now he has come in. We have to be at our best behavior. I know that, but don't you want to be at your best behavior? Don't you want to be morally right with God? Don't you want to be right with God? So even though it's forcing you to do better, to be at your best, isn't it better for you? You're going to get stretched, and you're going to be challenged, but guess what? You're going to be better, and guess what? You will inherit eternal life. There is nothing that can compare to eternal life nothing at all. So why not let Jesus come into our home, into our life and just change everything up that we will live differently that we will talk differently that we will watch different things, that we will drink not things that intoxicate us. Oh God help us today. God wants to do something in your life church. I sense it in your heart that God is speaking to somebody in here. He's speaking to somebody on our church, our congregation online. D.D., I know God has spoken to your heart. Uh, I know God has spoken to your heart, Mr. Brantley. I know God is speaking to your heart, Joe and Barbara. I know God is speaking to your heart, Miss Deborah. I know God is speaking to you all. Trust him today and right where you are, just lift your hands and begin to worship him. God can fill you with his spirit right where you are as you listen to the word of God preached today. God can fill you with his spirit. God can heal you right where you are. And if you want to be saved, you repent of your sins. And I will come and baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. God wants to dwell with you, but he wants an invitation. He wants an invitation. He wants an invitation. He will not just come uninvited. He wants an invitation. Will you invite Jesus to your home, your life, and let him have his way by being the host, and you become the guest? Oh, God, have your way. Somebody feel what God is saying to you. Hear what God is saying to you. And let God do a work in your life. Let him do a work. It is what's good for you. It is what's best for you. You choose that good part. And God will do the very best that you can ever experience in your life. Oh, will you just love God today? Will you invite him into your life today? Will you extend yourself and say, God... Come into my house.
house. Come into my life and do what you want to do in the name of Jesus. I praise you. I honor you. I bless your name. There is none like you. There is none like you. Somebody worship the Lord today. Don't leave this place the same way you came in. Let God touch you. Let God work in your life. Let God show what he can do in your life. Will you let him have his way? Father, in the name of Jesus. Have your way, Lord. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Your will be done, Lord. 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 That we're not the same. That we're changed. I want you to be the host of my life. I want you to be the host of my life, Lord. You order my step, Lord God. You order my thoughts, Lord God. You be a lamp, O God, unto my feet and a light unto my path. You, Lord God, take full control of what I hear and what I do. You take control, Lord God, of what I put in my body. What I use my body to do, you take full control. For I want you to host my life. I don't want to be the host. I don't know all that I need to do. I don't have all the answers. But you do, Lord. But you do, Lord. But you do, Lord. Oh, God, have your way today. Have your way today. By your spirit. By your spirit, let your will be done. By your spirit, let your will be done. Oh, God, we honor you and praise you. For there is none like you. There is none like you. Oh, God, bless your people today. God, have your way in their lives. God, let their eyes be open. Will you reveal yourself to them? Will you give them a fresh look upon you, Lord God? Will you reveal yourself to them in a way they've never experienced, Lord God? What you're feeling now, Lord God, will you do, oh God, exceeding and abundant above whatever they may ask or think right now? Will you do it, Lord? Will you let it be so? Will you let it be so in your life, oh great God? In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, God, thank you today. Oh, God, thank you today. Oh, why don't somebody lift their hands to heaven and just begin to thank God. Every one of us have something to thank Jesus for. How about we all lift our hands and thank the Lord Jesus right now? Lord Jesus, I thank you. 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 Come on, thank him right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Lord Jesus, I appreciate you. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I appreciate you. You're so good to me, Lord God. Even when I don't deserve your goodness, you've shown me goodness. And I thank you today, Lord God. I thank you today, Lord God. Oh, Lord, I say, have your way in my life and do whatever you please. For you, one, I want you to be host and I will be guest. Somebody, God is doing something right now. 
God is doing something right now. We lifted our hands and we gave him access and we opened up our house to him. And now he is ready to do what needs to be done. If you need a healing right now, just lift your hands and say, God, will you touch my body and heal it? If you need a healing right now, just lift your hand and say, God, will you touch my body and heal it? If you need a healing in your mind, why don't you say, God, touch my mind and make it whole? If you need to be saved, why don't you say, God, have your way in my life and save me? Say it to Him right now. Say it to Him right now. Say it to Him right now. If you want Him to govern your life, to be Lord of your life, why don't you say it to Him right now? Say, Lord, I don't know what to do in my life. I don't know how to work it, but will you, Lord God, work this life for me? Guide me, Lord God. Move in me, Lord God. Teach me, Lord God, and lead me. Oh, God, have your way.
special in your life. Lift your hands, BD, and just worship the Lord. And thank him today. And thank him today. Oh. On Calvary, you looked at me. Woo! On Calvary, you looked at me. Woo! On Calvary, you looked at me. With just one. Yes! Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you, church. Have a great afternoon. I love you with all my heart. And more importantly, Jesus loves you. Have your way, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, blessed be your name. If you're ready to give your life to God, you want to be baptized in the name of Jesus, come see me or send us a message. We will come and baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. All your sins will be washed away and you'll be added to the body, the family of Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we bless your name. We bless your name.
Before you, I bow. 